You are listening to an SAFM podcast, 104 to 107 nationwide. Stream us live on www.safm.co.za or via the SABC Plus app. SABC News, independent and impartial. I'm happy to indicate that on the 30th of uh, August. Uh, 2023, NERSA considered uh, the GMRE's uh, submission in relation to how it meets those uh, suspensive conditions and concluded that uh, the suspensive conditions had been satisfactorily addressed. Essentially what NERSA then said was that uh, we are giving you the go-ahead to proceed and NERSA then issued uh, a formal concurrence on the 2nd of September Uh, 2023. So to give a legal effect to the ministerial determination for the procurement of new nuclear capacity of August uh, 2020, uh, the determination and NERSA's concurrence will be gazetted. So now we're starting the process of gazetting. Uh, so we're triggering now, as I stand before you, essentially a procurement process. So we're going out to ensure that we're able to get the uh, that additional 2,500 uh, megawatts of nuclear uh, capacity uh, to ensure that we are able to meet the issues of uh, national security and energy sovereignty. So this is a significant milestone because we know that uh, uh, historically in the recent past the process was uh, mired in controversy. Now we are happy that uh, we have been able to iron out the issues related to how the procurement process uh, Uh, needs to unfold. We have met uh, the regulatory requirements as per NERSA's uh, the, the legal uh, requirement and also now we have concurrence of NERSA who are able to proceed. So this is profound and what it does is to cement our unassailable position as a country as a leader on the continent in relation to nuclear generation capacity and also um, the skills profile that we have. Just for the record You know that uh, we have uh, just the other day on Sunday I uh, stood before the nation just indicating the work that we are doing at Quebec. We have had uh, over 40 years of uh, operating that uh, nuclear power station incident free. I think that's uh, important. Um, I indicated that uh, now we are in the period of uh, extension of life of Quebec. We want to secure another 20 years of life of Quebec. Uh, Unit 1 had gone out uh, Uh, to meet the, the regulatory requirement for purposes of uh, uh, meeting the conditions for life uh, extension of life and we did indicate that uh, after a significant amount of delays of about four months now a uh, unit one is running and is running on full load and then yesterday we then uh, removed the uh, unit two for purposes of meeting those uh, regulatory requirements and as indicated we are expecting that by August of next year, Unit 2 should, uh, should come back. Just to put it into context, the contribution of uh, nuclear, that is the two units at uh, Quebec, they constitute about 5% of uh, the total generation capacity. Now we're upping, if you like, the contribution of nuclear to the totality of, uh, of the energy mix. And what we know about nuclear is the cheapest, the safest, and most uh, reliable and we are going this route and as uh, NERSA had made a determination is that the significant amount of uh, technological advancements that have happened in this space so it is important that we take notice of that and ensure that they were able to benefit from, from
from those uh, technological advances. And that was Electricity Minister Dr. Josienza Ramachopa. So to help us unpack what all of this means, we join on the line now by energy expert Clyde Mallinson. So the minister basically saying, OK, uh, what this uh, briefing was about this morning uh, is an announcement that they are triggering a procurement process for uh, 2,500 megawatts of nuclear uh, power. And then goes on to say, you know, it's... Uh, cleanest it's uh the uh cheapest so all these good things uh that would make us you know uh, uh, follow through and and be on board with what government is planning here so i guess for south africans we're wondering so what does this mean for us in load shedding right now okay so let's start let's start with the first the first point that um it's the cleanest and the cheapest and we're going ahead with it i was under the misapprehension that we were going to be having public comment on the RP, in which I assume the 2,500 megawatts of nuclear will be included. And I would have thought that we can only start a procurement process after there's been public comments on the sense and sensibility of procuring nuclear. So to my mind, it's a little bit premature to be heralding the the going ahead prior to the having been public consultation. That's the first point. The second point is that it's going to do absolutely nothing um, to to help with load shedding, in, certainly in the short, medium, and probably even the long term. You know, it takes 10 to 12 years if you're lucky to build a nuclear power station. Uh, and then when it comes to uh, being incredibly inexpensive, and uh, cheap to to build, I would I would uh, certainly question that relative to alternatives. So if we look at where we find ourselves right now uh, with the electricity uh, constraints that we are facing, uh, we know that this is as a result of government planning uh, failing to plan adequately. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. does this then, as you say, this is not something that's going to resolve load shedding in the immediate term, but is this about planning ahead? Well, that's that's the, the line that's been taken. You know, the line that's been taken is if we had planned ahead um, when we should have, we might not have been having load shedding now. And I couldn't agree more with that. You know, we just haven't planned ahead Properly, I mean, the RP 2019 was not fit for purpose the day it was published because it was premised on a, I don't know, 75% energy availability factor of the ESCOM fleet. And at the moment, year to date, it's running at 54%. So, you know, anyone who can do a bit of maths will work out if it was running at 75%, we wouldn't have any load shedding. So that planning was a disaster. You know, the, the, there's a whole lot of things. The, the point is, I've been looking for a long time at costs of, of nuclear and the alternatives. You know, and 10 years ago, the alternatives cost, you know, more than nuclear. Today, they come in at about a third of the price of nuclear, um, the alternatives. But that's not entirely fair. If you just look at wind and solar and say it costs a third of what nuclear costs, people will immediately say, oh, yes, but it... But it's not dispatchable power, it's not dependable, it's not this, it's not that. So I acknowledge that. And so in order to make it equivalent, if you like, to nuclear, one needs to add storage and things called synchronous condensers without getting into the detail. You need to put on a few additional items. And that increases the cost of wind and solar by something like 30 to 50%. And if you do that, they still come in at well under half the cost of nuclear. 
So it 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 it's not the cheapest. It's not the safest. Uh, it's it's not the quickest. Um, it's it's kind of like a prestige thing, you know. We've we we we've got nuclear. We've got to keep nuclear, you know. So I'm 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 disappointed, quite frankly. And you know, the one thing that drives me crazy is people say, "Oh, nuclear only costs sixty cents." Well, then they then they they, they say, "Yeah, it only costs sixty cents once you've paid it off." Well, you know, if you buy a new car on terms from Bankfin or someone. You know, of course, your car costs you less once you've paid it off. But guess how much wind and solar costs you once you've paid it off? Costs you about ten cents, because all that's left is a security fence and a little bit of maintenance. And you've once you've paid the capital off, there's no fuel. So to to use analogies or to say that nuclear is the cheapest once it's paid off, once you've paid off the capital cost, is is quite frankly to show. Uh, uh, such a basic misunderstanding of economics 101 is to be astounding, quite frankly. Mm. But you speak of renewables, uh, Clyde, and, and if we look at that, so from the first bid window and, yes. you know, to date, how much yes. of that energy has come on stream as of right now? And what is it costing us? Okay, so the first bid window was quite expensive. I think it started off at about two rand eighty for solar, if I remember correctly, and about one rand sixty or something for wind. By the time we got to bid window five, the cost of solar and wind were both substantially below sixty cents. So, in other words, the rate of learning in those technologies from from 2013 2014 when the first bid window happened and now is that there's been a dramatic capital cost in these technologies and so yes the first grounds were uh, way more expensive than coal but it's quite interesting to compare them to the to the coal costs of Madupi and Kasili uh, the, the costs so far of Madupi and Kasili are way in excess of even those first bid windows of the of of the expensive wind and solar because they just haven't been functional. Mm. You know, and if you're not functional, you take your capital cost. You you take how much how many kilowatt hours they've produced divided by the capital cost, or rather the other way around, and you come up with horrendous horrendous numbers. I reckon. Kasili to date has probably cost us about six rand a kilowatt hour well, in Madubian, terms of money spent to date. Yeah. Madubi and Kusile, yeah. for all intents and purposes, could be characterized as crime scenes, uh, given the cost overruns and how much we are still having to pay in order to get them fully up to speed. But that yes. being said... Uh, you know, Clyde, with the renewables, as you say, at this point around 60 cents, perhaps, is that what ESCOM is actually paying? Yes, on, 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 on bid window five, those projects that are closing, I think some of them closed at, at, at like, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to misquote now, but I think some of them closed at under 50 cents a kilowatt hour. But let's say on average, ESCOM is paying about 60 cents for bid window five projects that closed. I must just stress some of them didn't close because the bidders went in too aggressively. They made assumptions about dropping of costs that didn't materialize. And that was because of COVID. COVID intervened and production lines stopped and shipping costs went up. And so the guys that thought, when I build this thing, I can build it and sell it for 50 cents and make a profit. By the time the COVID dust had settled, they couldn't. So some of those projects haven't closed. 
um, uh, which, 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 when I say it's unfortunate, those companies should lose their grid allocation. They should pay their performance bonds or lose the bid bonds they had to put up at the time of bidding. And we should just move on and say, well, luckily, you know, the cost of solar panels uh, not long ago were about $26 a watt. So don't worry about how much a watt is. It was $26. When I first first started in this game, they were about $240 a watt. So they're down to a tenth of what they were. And guess what they are as we speak now? They're down to about $15 a watt. They've come down from 24 to 15 in the last six months. There's actually an oversupply at the moment in, in, in China. So it just means that 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 solar is on a, on a it's caught it's caught back up to the trajectory we expected it to be at were it not for covid mm. so just finally uh, with the, you know uh, the current uh, south african energy mix uh, your final take on this generation mix uh, with the announcement now of solar you say it's probably premature because there hasn't been any public comment so but back to front this whole process uh, but you know your overall thoughts of where we're going um, I don't know if you've seen the plan I haven't had sight of it yet no no I haven't and I'm dreading seeing it quite frankly because I've got a premonition of what it's going to look like but just to put things in perspective for those who might be listening if by 2035 we put in 80 gigawatts of solar, 50 gigawatts of wind, and 30 gigawatts of storage, we would have electricity at about half the price that we're currently paying. This is this is the retail price, and we would we would have a surplus, not a shortfall, and the surplus would be big enough to give 10 million households who currently live in energy poverty free basic electricity on on 90% of the days of the year from nine o'clock in the morning till four o'clock in the afternoon during normal working hours. Now, wouldn't that be marvelous as the thing that would underpin essentially a basic income grant? The question is, why is this not happening? But anyway, that's where we're going to leave it. Thank you so much, Clyde Mallinson, energy expert, uh, speaking to us there about that announcement by Minister Josien Saramahupa, the Minister of Electricity, talking earlier about uh, basically uh, triggering uh, the procurement process for more nuclear energy. You can find SAFM Current Affairs on 104 to 107 nationwide. Our podcasts are available for download on all our digital platforms. SAFM, leading the conversation.